Wise. This is Thomas Coyer from the HealthWise Report. And this is Sarah Kane. And we'd like to welcome you to episode 25 of our audio edition. Yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Well, you lead the way, Sarah, because you are the expert, our guru. Go right ahead. <laughs> All right. I wanted to start out the show on a kind of a different topic. We've covered emotional intelligence before, I think on episode 22. Yeah, and it's worth a listen. Yeah, and I think that those who listened to episode 22 will really be able to appreciate this topic more. So, it's in our audio archive if you want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Our Andrea works in daycare. And from time to time, the state kind of mandates these classes about child welfare, like SIDS. Yes, because they're worried about the child's welfare, aren't they? Yeah. Because they're worried. And how to do CPR the, the and that sort of The state people are there to help. Well, recently, Andrew went to another one of these classes. Mm-hmm. This one was about positive discipline. Positive discipline. Before I go any further, it, just think about the phrase positive discipline. Sounds like an oxymoron to me. Exactly. You can't have discipline that's positive. You can have it being constructive, but that's the closest you can get to something that's positive. Mm-hmm. They also call it conscious discipline. Now, this positive discipline class talks about things like how spanking damages the child's IQ. <laughs> Not just their esteem anymore, right? Now, now yeah. it's actually their IQ, too. Yes. So somehow the force of the spanking causes brain trauma that lowers intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds like modern medicine, actually, doesn't it, when you think about it? Uh-huh. This class is, as I said, state-mandated, meaning mm-hmm. that she has to go to it in order to continue working in daycare. And she also has to pretend to agree to it. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're an intelligent person and you see there's something different, wrong, incorrect about this program, for instance, you see that it's part of an agenda, it's not really scientific, you can't say that. If you say that, you fail the course, and you're not allowed to work in daycare anymore. So as we dig deeper, we have something here that's a bit Orwellian. Yeah. That you have to have the right thoughts. There's a policy of having the right thoughts, the right opinions. Pretending like that it's somehow scientific at the same time. And if you don't, you're fired. It takes spanking, for example. If you're a parent, you probably know that an occasional spanking is necessary. It's a given. Your children will not turn out as well. You know, they're not periodically disciplined, particularly with spanking. 
That's an important one, especially when they're really, really young, when you can't reason with them otherwise. So what we have is a, a thought crime situation, but it goes well beyond spanking. If this were just a spanking thing, we would not be covering this topic because all of you out there have already heard about this. You've heard about it in the media. You know, you're not supposed to spank children. This daycare worker so-and-so got in trouble for spanking a child and so forth. It's, it's tired news. We're covering this because there's more to this story. Before we go into that, I need to point out that the reason the class was given to daycare workers doesn't make any sense because spanking by you know a daycare worker or a school employee has already been banned and illegalized for I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. So it's not like these daycare workers would be allowed to anyway, regardless of their opinions and so forth. Mm-hmm. I began to look up this course. It's called Conscious Discipline. You can get to the website at ConsciousDiscipline.com if you don't also, believe what we're reading. Yeah, also known as Positive Discipline under the Orwellian sort of doublespeak they're using for it. Exactly. As Thomas was saying, it goes well beyond spanking. What this is about is teaching kids to hide their emotions. Mm-hmm. To it's institutionalized sociopathology, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's it about is. teaching children to be sociopaths at an early age. And spanking is just the tip of the iceberg here. It's about teaching children not to respond properly to situations, to hide their emotions, to be little manipulators. It starts off with the daycare workers training them with these skills, and then they're supposed to pass on these skills to the kids. I'm not sure... Having more sociopathic manipulators is really what our society needs more of. Yeah. Well, the Conscious Discipline Program actually acknowledges that it utilizes emotional intelligence in the adults and in the child. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we even have time to really go into that this time, because we, we covered like a whole episode almost, 22. Yeah, exactly. About emotional intelligence. But that's what this is. It's, it's about the utilization of emotions as a way to manipulate other people's behavior and mm-hmm. hiding your own emotions and yeah. burying them. People's emotions and people's weaknesses are there as tools to be exploited. Mm-hmm. You know, take a, we had this one example where this woman was bragging that if a child in her class were hurt or the child were upset, that she has so trained these children that they will ignore him. Is that what we want for society? Do we want people who they have a neighbor who's in trouble, their house is on fire, that they turn away and ignore that? Because it, it's, you know, it, it violates this code. This was uh, Peg Tazewell, the Head Start Director of Knox County, Ohio. She thought it was this beautiful thing that all the kids in the classroom would just turn away from a child who was crying and upset. And that was the sort of society that she envisioned. Uh-huh. Where we ignore those in trouble, those in need. And instead wait for the authorities to deal instead, with it. Wait for the authorities. That's the important thing. Obedience to the authorities. And because, you'll, you'll see that mm-hmm. those sorts of terminology being used lots by these people. This sort of power and empowerment and compliance. Mm-hmm. And the same sort of things that you hear. It's from, like no wonder the state embraces it so much, is it? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. This is by itself a private corporation. But it's being pushed by the Head Start program. Mm-hmm. A well-known governmental, well, governmental well, program. <laughs> that's the thing. They're, they're hiding as a private organization that's not answerable to anyone, Sarah. But yet, they're working for and being paid by Head Start, which is a federal organization. So, if you answer to and get paid by a governmental agency, you are, in fact, a governmental agency. Mm-hmm. No matter how, how loudly you scream that you're a private organization. Yeah. I've also heard these people say that parents, caregivers, guardians shouldn't use the term good as in good job, because that's judgmental. But that's the whole point. 
good job is supposed to be judgmental. It's supposed to say they're doing a good thing as opposed to a bad thing. You should be able to discriminate from the good and the bad. The to right separate and the, the wrong, two. exactly. Uh, what, again, what kind of society do we live in when people are raised up to believe there is no good and no evil and that it's all about doing your own thing, watching out for yourself, and merely answering only to the authorities? Exactly. Is that the society we want? It's like the definition of being completely amoral is mm. unable to, to to differentiate between right and wrong. It, it is, and it's being taught. And they don't have to look up emotional intelligence. They, they can if they want to, or they can listen to episode 22. But they can also look up this positive discipline thing and see for themselves this double speak they're using to try to literally enforce immorality in the young children in daycare when they're the most impressionable, and that the government is actually behind this that it's being umbrellaed under Head Start all over the United States. You know, we can't speak for what's happening in other countries, but I wouldn't be surprised if similar things were elsewhere. Yeah, for the international listeners, daycare is before the child actually gets to an age where they can go to the regular school. It's where you send your kids because you go to work every day and you can't look after them. Yeah. From this Conscious Discipline website, I came across something. It said, Self-regulation. Managing our thoughts, feelings, and actions is the cornerstone of a successful life. I don't know what sort of success they're talking about, but the real successful people, the people who have revolutionized throughout history, have always been very emotional, very passionate, very driven. Mm -hmm. Your artists, your leaders, your craftsmen in every field. Exactly. Those, Those are the people we need, the ones who can feel. To really matter and change things, you have to be emotional. Without Mm. that, well, you're a robot. A lot of our listeners may not be getting what we're saying here. And the reason they may not be getting it is because most people out there aren't well-educated about sociopathology, what it means to be a sociopath. Mm -hmm. We've studied the topic of abuse. We've Let's just say we know abuse backwards and forwards. And that is the cornerstone of a sociopath, an abuser, and in some cases a psychopath as well. People think that they're these mad, crazy people with aging emotions they can't control. Actually, it's just the opposite in reality. When a criminal or sociopath is arrested, it's always found that they have almost no emotion. The only two emotions they have are jealousy and rage, and they're usually linked tightly together, which is the reason why this category of people tend to be our real abusers in society. They're the ones that have the problem with the topic of good and evil and so forth, because it's all about power, about them being in control, being in control of themselves and their environment, and especially the people closest to them. And the people closest to them become like objects to be possessed. To be owned, yeah. Yeah, people around them are possessions. And that's why they're abusive, because... They're unable to empathize with the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. And it's that empathy that allows us to be better people, to care about how other people react to us, how other people feel about us and our relationships to them. Being able to acknowledge good from evil and to be able to sympathize with the suffering of other people, that is part of the main glue that holds society together, that prevents us from being monsters. It's these, these feelings that religion tries to foster. Religion generally tries to do just the opposite. Mm Mm-hmm with the Christian faith being probably the best, you know, with its message of love and hope, faith, forgiveness, and so forth, like no other. But this is like an anti-religion, teaching people not to feel for others. 
In fact, they said... We talk to young children. I mean, this is sick, Sarah. In fact, they said, An emotional state is triggered by the world not going our way. It limits our ability to see from another's point of view. Again, this is from their website. Now, that's the opposite of what we were just saying. They're saying that emotions limit our ability to see from another point of view. That's not true. Ourselves being hurt... Well, it's, it's more that Orwellian doublespeak. Exactly. So, our own experiences with suffering, emotional and physical, are what allow us to be able to empathize with other people, to mm-hmm. be able to experience their suffering and care. To care. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but let's, let's picture the example given before that this woman thought was such a wonderful example of how a classroom is supposed to be, where one child gets hurt and everybody turns their backs on that child. That is not the kind of environment I want my child going to. That's not the sort of learning and discipline I wanted my child. For me as a parent, if there's a child has just been hit by a car or had something fall on his head, he's laying there bleeding, if my child turns his back on him and walks away, he's going to learn some discipline. That is just like the opposite of what you want from your child, from your young person, your adult child, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Does anybody out there really want that? They want a sociopathic, uncaring person who you know, will turn their back on someone who else is suffering? It just follows the rules, right? It just follows the rules. Yeah, maybe it calls the authorities instead. Mm-hmm. Because, above all, you don't want to be that good Samaritan, do you? Yeah, and that's the sort of society that people like her and this whole program are seeking to create. Mm-hmm. We're mentioning this because you know, you'll never hear this from your daycare person. You'll never hear this from your daycare teacher. If they even think to tell you, they'll probably be scared to tell you. I mean, what are they going to say? Hey, I've been in a brainwashing program that in turn is meant to brainwash your child. I hope you're all right with that, ma'am. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But you need to know this. And as far as I'm concerned, if you've got a child out there in daycare, you're subjecting them to a type of child abuse. Perhaps worse than what they would get in the public schools, the type of poor education, poor environment, hostile environment that they get in the public schools, the the anti-Christian stuff, you name it, okay? This is hitting children in a worse way at a younger age. It baffles me that these people can plug right ahead with this, because whatever insidious agenda they have at play here, and there must be one, do they really want to live in a world like this? I mean, because these kids are going to grow up. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. But my wife works in daycare, and our advice to you is don't, don't use daycare. My wife is one of the good ones out there who's trying to put some resistance up. She's part of that silent rebellion that's going on. That <laughs> yeah. you know, the resistance, but there aren't many like her. You, you you shouldn't. Don't don't be a child there. All right, Sarah, I think we've probably covered this as much as we can. If people want to know more, they can either read up about positive discipline themselves or they can listen to episode twenty two about emotional intelligence. Let's move on to our next topic. Alright. Heavy snoring has been linked to heart attacks and strokes. Wait a minute, I thought heart attacks and strokes were linked to heavy snoring, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, you see, I went to research this topic about just how the two are linked together. How does snoring influence, how does heart heart disease influence snoring and so forth? Yeah, tell us about that science. Well, what I found was kind of shocking because the establishment seems to be completely backwards about it. They are completely unable to recognize cause and effect relationships to the point that they seem to believe that snoring is causing the heart problems. Isn't it always like that in the medical establishment? It's like, how could snoring, i.e. that noise that you make, possibly influence your heart? Isn't it more likely that your heart 
failing, you know, during I, the sleep? I think it's it's one of two things. It's like a magic sound that oh comes gosh. out of your mouth. Or I'm thinking it's some kind of special resonant frequency to the sound wave that impairs your heartbeat. I'm going for the frequency. You think the frequency one is it? You know, we make jokes about it, but this is modern medical science, supposedly. It's pathetic. You're snoring, you have heart trouble, and they think the heart trouble is because of that sound. Yeah, I can't can't seem to get inside their logic and really empathize with that. I blame the fluoride. Yeah. The excessive fluoride. Now, if you do heavily snore, or there's someone in your family who does, it's actually a sign that there is something really wrong with the heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, folks, we need to um, cut to the serious stuff now because we're coming on to a serious topic here. A a topic that, well, it's as serious as a heart attack. Literally. If you snore, your heart is weak. That doesn't mean you're going to fall over at any time. That doesn't mean you need to rush out to the doctor in a panic or get on a treadmill and test yourself out. But it does mean there is a weakness there. And the trouble is, is no one can seem to figure out exactly what it is other than there is a weakness because people who snore have heart issues. Yeah. The best thing that we can tell you is to read our article that we wrote on heart disease. It's huge. Um, mm-hmm. We were planning on maybe doing a show about heart disease one yeah. of these days. But in any case, if you search for the big one in our search in the top right, again, our site is health wyze.org, healthwise.org. There's mm. a search in the top right. The big one will find you the heart disease article. Okay. Before anyone panic, it's really not as big a deal as you might think it is, at least if you catch it in time. What we know is that the snoring is indicative of heart trouble, generally. It can also be indicative that you've got a fat deposit problem in your neck area. The two tend to go together often. If you're really overweight, you're more likely to have heart trouble, too. Yeah. Those are valid cause and effect relationships. But as I said, don't panic. In our article that Sarah just mentioned, the one called The Big One, we actually have a group of supplements that can be used to remedy it in most cases. Most people who snore aren't about to fall over with a heart attack. They may or may not have serious heart problems. We don't know. And the snoring doesn't tell us. Mm-hmm. But... The snoring itself indicates the heart is under stress. And that just ha- the snoring happens to be a symptom you feel while you're sleeping. Well, actually, it's not a symptom, symptom you, you exhibit. Feel. It's, it's a symptom you exhibit that everybody else hears. Yeah. If you take these heart supplements that we mentioned in the article, your snoring will either go away completely or at least diminish significantly. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but it is absolutely true. That little bit of help will help you in more ways than you expect, because not only will it strengthen your heart, but it will improve your respiration while you're sleeping, increase your oxygen intake, overall dramatically improve your health, and it doesn't take long. We know for a fact that some people taking these supplements end their snoring after two weeks. And that's great. That's wonderful. They've cured themselves of something that's a, a real pain to them and their loved ones. But not only that... But also a big health problem, a potential yeah, health problem. They have actually strengthened their heart in that two-week period significantly. And we can't promise you won't have a heart attack. You, something else won't go wrong. But you know, every little bit helps. And it is a good thing to remove the snoring, and it is a good thing to damage whatever damage you have to your heart. Repair whatever damage you have to your heart. Isn't that what I just said? You said damage whatever damage. Oh. 
Well, okay. And it's good to repair whatever damage that you have to your heart that you can easily do. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, in that article, there's a lot more. And the bottom line is that it's a bad sign. It's a sign that, you know, you should, you have time to do something. I mean, mm-hmm. and yeah. you can do it and make yourself healthy, you can make yourself stronger um, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the moral of the story here is that snoring isn't just snoring. It's a symptom of something much worse. And it's not so hard to fix. In yeah. most cases, at least. Mm-hmm. Frankly, we don't know enough about the heart to know, you know what the relationship is. Other than... The heart problem causes the snoring. We don't know exactly what the heart problem is. Yes. And we don't know exactly what gets fixed and how. But we do know people can take these supplements, they stop the snoring, and their heart gets stronger, and they're less likely to fall over dead. It's a win-win, any way you look at it. Yeah. We've had a lot of people email us who are taking mushrooms for their cancer. Well, what else would you take, Sarah? I know we've covered this on another show way back, but we're still getting these emails. We're yeah, they're still, still, they're still writing are... us, well, which mushroom should I take? Should I, should I get the one that's under my house? Or should I order the special, sh- what was it, shiitake or some... Shiitake? Or, <laughs> or should I get the one from the special Asian company that yeah. says this is the special mushroom? Hell, if, if they're Asian, Sarah, I mean, you know they're the good ones, right? <laughs> they'll cure anything. I mean, yeah, and we're having people who are spending massive amounts of money on these mushrooms to heal their cancer, mm-hmm. and they're just going to be making themselves worse, or in the best case scenario, doing nothing at all, but probably making themselves worse, just in the very nature of what cancer is and how yeah, because it's fermentation. You, <laughs> you've got cancer, and you're feeding yourself yeast and heavy metals. I mean, how can you top that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, it's kind of like, maybe they should just go scrape some stuff off the battery of their car and, and put that in a glass of water. Yeah. Of course, of course, there's Brzezinski, too. Um, we finally took the time to read up on him, and amazingly enough, it was urine therapy. Yes. Um, you have to read the fine print to find that out, that that's what the solution is that's being injected in your arm, but it's yes. urine. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'd, I'd take the mushrooms, how about you? At least you could put those on a pizza. Yeah, I'd go for right. the mushrooms. But mushrooms are something that, you know, healthy people can do every once in a while, mm-hmm. but if you've got cancer... No, you should no, avoid no, them. No, no. Avoid it, the mushrooms. Yeah, and it's certainly not use them as a treatment. And it's sad that people kind of look to alternative medicine. They look for an alternative, and they come across mushrooms, and mm-hmm. they go with that and spend massive amounts of money on it. Yeah, yeah. We get so many, many of these emails from people who, I don't know, are just lost in in so many ways, and they come to us without ever having read our site or listened to our shows, to know anything about us, and it's depressing. It's like we have have con men on two sides. We have the establishment medical con men, and then we have our alternative con men. Yeah. And finding someone like us is rare indeed. And then, you know, and then, of course, trying to get them to listen to us is... Another thing altogether. After they've heard about the urine therapy and the mushrooms, you know. (laughs) it's, It's depressing, isn't it? It is. Seriously, it's depressing. It, it, it is. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that one out there, just in case there's somebody listening who's trying that treatment. Look up Budwig at our site. Look up Cancer. We have articles. Yeah, we do. We have good stuff. We have made a movie on this topic. Yes. The Cancer Report. Look it up. It's on our site. It's everything. It's got it all. Mm-hmm. 
there are lots of people out there who buy brown sugar because they think it's healthier. safer, healthier, better. Yeah. Uh, the joke's on them. Yeah. It's not. It's actually more refined than the regular white bleach sugar that you can buy. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> what they do is they make this really refined white sugar, and then they add molasses to it. Um, bear yeah. in mind that molasses... So, so it starts off with the processed white sugar, and, and then they add more yeah, molasses to it. Yeah, they run through the factory it. once again, you know. After they've extracted the molasses, they put it back in. And... Well, well, here's the reason. Because okay. so much of our sugar is genetically engineered from beets. Mm-hmm. Well, beets don't provide a good source of molasses. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they get the main sugar from sugar beets, then they get grab the molasses from real sugar. Because they have to turn to real sugar because the GE is so shoddy. And they have to put yeah. that in there to make it palatable. Because the molasses that comes from GE beets just isn't good. It is good, Sarah, because have you had a bowl of Frosted Flakes recently? <laughs> I know Kellogg's is like notorious for that use of Yeah, they've like stocked up. 50 million tons of sugar beet sugar so that they can make sure that all their cereals have the poisonous sugar in it and all their other products. Yes. You gotta love Kellogg's. It's sweet, isn't it? That's so evil. And they like own Kashi and... Yeah, which is, of course, healthy, right? It's a, the, yeah, that's, it's the, the, that's the natural one. Yeah, the one that was in Whole Foods. Yeah. And they are got MSG in that as well, you know. In the health food store, no less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Which reminds me, we never gave that list. Well, I'm going to run through this list really quickly. It's a list of ingredient names that MSG is often hidden under. We're going to go through it fast because we know how reading a list is, well, boring to listen to. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Calcium caseinate, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, textured protein, monopotassium glutamate, hydrolyzed plant protein, yeast extract, sodium glutamate, glutamate, autolyzed plant protein, yeast nutrient, glutamic acid, sodium caseinate, autolyzed yeast, vegetable protein extract, soy protein, hydrolyzed corn gluten, artificial flavor, spice, and seno mix. Particularly with spice, I mean, that can be like almost anything. It's one of these games they play with the FDA. My spice it's, is ill-defined, It's or not defined at all. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's the thing. A word on a food label doesn't have any real meaning unless it's defined by the FDA. And if it's defined by the FDA, it can have any of the meanings that it allows. Like, for instance, when you see something that says, all natural, well, it may not be natural at all. You see, it had to be natural. There had to be an ingredient in that ingredient that was at one point derived from a natural source. That was before it got to the chemical factory. Okay? So if at any point in its lifetime it had a natural component, then that is a natural flavor. I'm not sure. Like, for instance, in the case of MSG, you might have had a food product that, like, say, corn or something... I don't know, I'm just making this up, that before it got to the chemical plant, before it was mixed in with the genetically engineered bacteria that they used to mass-produce MSG, then you can call whatever garbage is left over from that natural. Because, you know, it was natural before it got to the factory. Yeah. And they play these word games. We've mentioned this 
We haven't mentioned this in a long time in our shows, mm-hmm. but it needs to be said again. The National Sugar Association has been campaigning and petitioning the FDA for years to try and get them to define the phrase all-natural, so they know if they can call their sugar, their bleached sugar project natu- product natural or not. But the FDA is basically refusing. Okay. They, the phrase all-natural by itself is not defined at all. Uh-huh. Natural flavor, Thomas was describing, mm-hmm. is just, well, a joke. Yeah. If it has the word natural, it's probably not. If it has the word spice, it's probably not a spice. At least not in the terms of what we think of a spice. It's not curry or pepper or paprika or, paprika or anything else. That That's not what the word spice means. You have to go to the FDA and look up the definition of the word spice to figure out what it really means. And what it is, it's a term used to hide ingredients in foods. Yeah. So we're just telling you a few of the things to look for, some of the red flags. And in particular, the MSG ingredients, which are terrible. If you want to know, you can go to our site. We have an MSG article. Or you can come back and listen to this again with a pencil and paper and try to write it down. This is a big deal. MSG in particular is a big deal. It can kill you. It is one of the main reasons why so many high school athletes fall over dead. Kids with perfectly good hearts and lungs and everything else. Mm -hmm. Just falling over dead from a heart attack unexpectedly in the prime of their life. And it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It does. We've got the information and it's been suppressed again and again and again. All you need is MSG combined with malnutrition, particularly a magnesium deficiency in in particular. And this is a combination that you get a lot. I mean, you've got, you know, teenage kids who aren't constantly eating vegetables. They're low yeah. on magnesium as it is. I mean, uh, that's just the that's reality. That's where you get your magnesium from your vegetables. All you need is to lack the magnesium, get a lot of MSG in you, and then race your heart, and you're on a time bomb. So they go for, you know, a meal at KFC you know, just before they go and play their game. Yeah, before their football game. Yeah. And, or their basketball game, they fall over. And everybody's like, why did this happen? Well, we know that sudden heart attacks, especially in young people, are caused specifically by MSG and a lack of magnesium. That's why the aspirins help. This is something we've covered before, too. Everybody's heard that aspirin will help prevent heart attacks. Well, it doesn't. Okay, here's, here's the truth. Only buffered aspirin will prevent heart attacks. And the reason is, is because the buffered aspirins are buffered with, with, magnesium a, stearate. with a coating of magnesium. So it's not the aspirin that prevents... Yeah. The, the, the aspirin test. doesn't do anything. It's the magnesium. It's the magnesium coating on it so that it doesn't upset your stomach. Yeah. Let's take a break, Sarah. All right. Please check us out and read our reports at the HealthWise Report website. You can find us on the internet at healthwise.org. Take special note that WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We spell it W-Y-Z-E to emphasize wisdom. We are a not-for-profit organization, although we are not registered as a not-for-profit, non-profit, or any other classification with any governmental agency. Nevertheless, we are a non-profit organization, so we're always needing donors to help us to continue our work, whether it be the equipment for these radio shows, our website and network infrastructure, various fees for our movie productions, and of course, the occasional video game to help us maintain our sanity through it all. If you are someone who cannot donate, or who does not wish to, you can also support us by visiting our online store. That can also be found at healthwise.org. And again, WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. 
We have to be careful about what claims we make about our products, including claims that can be verified, because we know of at least one governmental agency that would like to shut us down. We can tell you that in our opinion, our colloidal copper lotion has qualities that cannot be found in any other lotion sold, anywhere else. So, if you have joint or skin problems of any kind, we recommend that you check out our lotion. The HealthWise Support staff also offers hosting, networking, and technical support for anyone who wants to have their own website or assistance with internet technologies. Our technical skills place us among the best of the best. Thanks for listening to this. We'll go back to the show now. We're back from the break, and we're going to discuss the topic of Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski, or as most people know him, simply as Dr. Brzezinski. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of him. Just about everybody has heard of him. He's all over the media. He buys more airtime than Bill Gates. He's just under the president in you know, news coverage. So he's the media darling, which is rich since he's supposedly an alternative practitioner. Let me say who's being persecuted. Yeah, he's, he's supposedly being persecuted by the system and the media, but yet they keep promoting him at the same time. And you know that's always a bad sign. There's a lot of bad signs with Dr. Brzezinski. We discussed him on one of our other shows. Was it was it with Shalene? It was Shalene Bertrand? Yeah, that's right. And we didn't say a lot then. We had some suspicions, but we hadn't really verified our suspicions. So we just sort of played it off and said, no, we don't know that much about him. No. We did the research, and lo and behold, once again, we were right. Our suspicions have been verified. It's an ugly story. I hope you'll stay tuned in to hear the details, because we're going to tell you the facts about Dr. Brzezinski. Sarah, feel free to run with this. Thanks. Well, when I decided to start researching him, the first area that I took on was the area of his credentials, because that's what he pushes really hard in the documentary infomercial that he has. Dr. Brzezinski, Ph.D. Yeah, it's M.D., Ph.D., and Mm -hmm. often others. Lots of letters, yes. Yeah, and he has this, you know, when you first, first walk into this guy's clinic, that's up on his wall. Of course. Wouldn't you be proud of that, Sarah? So, I trace back his, um, well, his training. Yeah, do tell. Do tell. He received a medical degree in 1967 from the Medical Academy of Lublin in Poland. Poland? Yeah. Okay. Now, when you get your medical degree in Poland, does that even count? I mean, does that, like, count as a real... Degree? Degree certification? It's like the joke. How many Polish doctors does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. How many? Well, it takes five, Sarah. It takes one to hold the light bulb and four to spin the ladder underneath him. All right. That was a- really uncalled for, wasn't it? I yes. Sh- I should be ashamed. Anyway. I'm a bad, bad man. Um, so he got his MD back in 1967 in Poland. At the same school, he received a Doctor of Medical Science degree a year later. He received his Doctor of Medical Science degree after completing a one-year lab project and passing an exam. Well, one year? Yeah. That is impressive, Sarah. Now, the thing is, he claims that he received a PhD in the same year that he actually received his Doctor of Medical Science degree. Now, how did that work? Now, the thing is, you're comparing a one-year lab project to a 10- to 12-year research project, an independent research project, which is what a PhD is. But he did it in one year, so that's really impressive, isn't it? It's especially impressive because the school that he went to didn't offer a PhD program at the time. Whoa. Wait wait a minute. So, Doctor... Brzezinski got his Ph.D. from a school that didn't offer Ph.D.s. That's correct. How did he do that? Good question. Was it like how he did the one-year thing? He just excelled? (laughs) Yeah, well, at first, 
I thought that well, maybe because he, you know, grew up in Poland and he had trouble comparing the degrees. Well, he applied for a federal grant in 1973. On it, he identified himself as Stanislaw Pazinski, MD, DMSC, i.e. Doctor of Medical Science degree. Mm-hmm. Nowhere did he mention this PhD that he acquired. I, I thought for sure he'd want to mention that. Yeah, most why, why people think, are really proud of a PhD. Why, why do you think he left that off, Sarah? Um... I Could it be say, the fact that it was a federal grant that if he lied on it, he would have perjured himself, committed fraud against the U.S. government, and spent the, the largest portion of his life after that in prison? Could the, that be why he left the Ph.D. off on his federal documents? That could have been a motivator. That could have been a big motivator. I know it would have motivated me. Yeah. But yet, in all the other documents, the ones that aren't like federal documents that he's you know, filing for grants and stuff, he puts Ph.D., but... When it, it involves the U.S. government and moving money, and suddenly he's not a Ph.D. anymore. Yeah. Isn't that... You know, if you didn't know better, you know, this this is starting to sound like this is a con man. Do you think maybe maybe he is? Well... Yeah, that's it. Do tell more, Sarah. Let's, let's hear the rest of the story. This guy is being pushed heavily by the alternative movement, and that's what's especially disturbing. There are lots of frauds being pushed, but... Yeah, well, according to CNN, he's like the poster child of alternative cancer treatments. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he has painted himself to look like quite the victim. The yeah. FDA has filed all these lawsuits yeah, he's, against he's been persecuted. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's because of this, the FDA lawsuits, that has really gotten the alternative movement worked up in his defense. Like, yeah. if the FDA goes after somebody, they must instantly be Yeah, it's, it's like, in our community, there is so much virile and hatred towards the FDA and get, don't get me wrong, it's not that they don't deserve it, okay? They do. I mean, we know it. But there's just so much hatred and virile towards them, so much aggression for the stuff that they've done wrong. And, I mean, the, the list is endless, of course, that if the FDA targets you, then suddenly you're a hero. Yeah. And at that point, when we start reacting that way emotionally like that, we're not being logical anymore. We're not seeing things realistically. Just because the FDA goes after someone doesn't make them right. And in the case of Brzezinski, it means somewhat the opposite because... I'm going to stop there. Sarah, why don't you explain it? Okay, well, here's the thing, what everyone has to realize. If the FDA really wanted to put Brzezinski away, they could. They could do it in an hour. One hour. Pick up the phone, call their local branch where the Mm -hmm. federal marshals are, say, bring him in, boys. That's it. One hour. He could be shut down like permanently. The FDA has a lot of power. And they've oh done this gosh. to alternative practitioners in the past. It's yes. not something that is it, unheard yeah, of The for ones them. with legitimate methodologies <laughs> yeah. do get arrested often. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I mean, it's happened. And, exactly. You know, for them, it's a matter of picking up the phone. But this isn't a big fight against the FDA and Brzezinski like people think it is. They gave him permission to conduct clinical trials. Okay. Which means he's partnering with the FDA. Okay. Exactly. But, but in all his PR stuff... He's not partnering with them. He's he's this victim. Yes. And he's playing it up in all of his infomercials. His they've been know, persecuted sh- by the medical board of Texas. Whenever he goes on a Fox network, but, it's uh-huh. all about how they're trying to shut him down, but can't. Oh my gosh! It'd be so easy for them. This is all a charade. It is a charade. We're being played. The alternative community is being played. They want us to get behind Brzezinski, mm-hmm. so they can point and laugh. That that's what it's about. But I digress. I have this tendency, folks, to rant, as you probably notice. I'm going to try to sit back and let Sarah continue on. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I guess the next thing we should go to is exactly what Bozinski's treatment is. Mm-hmm. 
which is rather interesting in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I have to admit, I was kind of shocked that his treatment is human. Yeah, like PP. Yeah, we're not joking. You see, he started out by coming to this amazing conclusion that people who have cancer don't have something in the urine that people who don't have cancer do. So, yeah, there's a difference in the urine. So he decided to get the urine from people who don't have cancer and inject it into those that do. So can I just sit Go. back here for a minute? Mm -hmm. So this is his scientific logic here. The pee or urine of someone who is ill may differ from the urine of someone who's healthy. Mm -hmm. So let's take the urine from healthy people and inject it into the sick people. What is the scientific basis behind that? Good question. Okay. Well, I mean, what's the difference? The poo of healthy people may in some ways differ from the poo of someone who is sick. So would you inject stools of a healthy person into a sick person? Would that make any sense? Because you're going to have some di differences there. He extracts from this urine. At least he used to. He now synthesizes it. I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, yeah. But he extracts from this urine these essentially broken down amino acid chains, mm -hmm. and he gives them a fancy sounding name, which is antineoplastons, and calls his new therapy antineoplaston therapy, and he, then he injects that into people. And amino acids basically are protein compounds mm -hmm. that are broken down by the body. The body breaks them down, uses them, and then whatever's left over it tries to get rid of, because that is the waste product, meaning... It's not good for you. The body needs to get rid of it. Exactly. And I mean, that's why it comes out. This whole thing of urine therapy, of consuming other people's waste, it comes from like, the pagan and the Egyptian religions. Yeah, these... and that's why the Egyptians were such a diseased people. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, you know, this dates back to occult religions and stuff way back. And so we see it pop up in alternative medicine periodically. Some of the less reputable websites actually push it. There are people who actually buy into it. They drink their own urine. It's sad that, you know, they come to alternative medicine seeking something, yeah. and then they come across that, and they're, I guess, very... Well, did, I can't think of anything to call it. Well, well, did Brzezinski have some kind of nickname, like Dr. P or something like that? Oh, I, yes. I remember. Yes, he... Uh, I don't know if I can call it family-friendly, but he, he's called a piss doctor, yes. Okay. Among certain groups. Well, I mean, it's a fitting nickname. Yes, no doubt. Brzezinski likes to push this as a... Natural treatment, and... Yeah, because it comes out of the body, it's natural. Along with that, he claims that his drugs are normally free from serious side effects. You know, his uh -huh. injected urine. Yeah. So, I wanted to check. Maybe he had it synthesized so much that all it was was literally just plain amino acids, and thus there would be no side effects. Mm-hmm. Just like a supplement you'd take. Exactly. I was hoping. But no, that's not true either. I discovered the Office of Technology report to the U.S. Congress, which was dated September 1990. The Office of Technology wrote a segment about Brzezinski and specifically about his lack of side effects. I'm going to read a quick quote from that. It says, Another unusual feature of these studies is the section describing increases in platelet and white blood cell counts as desirable side effects. In each case, the post-treatment levels are not just increased, but are abnormally high. In the case of platelet counts, levels are high enough, ranging from 500,000 to 3.4 million, to lead to possible blood clotting. The authors do not explain why these effects should be considered desirable. 
Physicians would usually consider these levels as indicators of underlying disease or as risk for serious medical complications. Okay, so that's what happens when you take Brzezinski. Yes. The FDA... Uh, well, blood clots are really not that big a deal, are they, Sarah? No, just minor, minor like strokes, a heart attacks. Yeah, yeah, it's just minor stuff. All right. The FDA reported that 65% of his patients had hyponatremia, which is a life-threatening condition associated with high levels of sodium in the body. 65%? That's great. More than okay. half. You can't get numbers like that from chemo, can you? I mean, seriously. I know. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, and this is the guy, don't forget, that claims that you don't get any significant side effects. So it all depends on who you ask. You get one answer if you ask Dr. Brzezinski. You get another answer if you ask pretty much anybody else who's seen the numbers. Yeah, the trouble is that very few people do get to see his numbers. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't report his studies to the medical community or anyone really except for the media. Mm -hmm. His... Yeah. His... uh, Research or medicine never really get reviewed by... Peer-reviewed. Yes. By anyone. No. Well, he tries to stop peer review. I mean, he actually tries to block it in every way possible, in particular with the patent system. We watched the infomercial, I mean, uh, documentary, the one from Netflix, Mm -hmm. and the first part of the movie, if I recall, had a group of like five people. The five people kept reappearing for like the first hour as his patients that he had saved, who would have died otherwise. You know, he's the great hero. You hear this one person interviewed, then the other, and there's, there's only like five. And you keep seeing these same people over and over again. You know, they go through like the yep. first, the second, the third, fourth, fifth, and then there's a little tiny break with something cutesy, and then you get to the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth again. And you see yeah. the same people. And you see them mixed around. And yeah. I, by the, you know, halfway point, I was really wondering, is this Brzezinski's family here? You know, like, is this his wife and his daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. I I really had to wonder. But what's amazing is, by the second part of his info, I mean, documentary, it was all about his patents, his glorious patents, and his attempts to form partnerships with the pharmaceutical companies. And if you think I'm kidding, mm-hmm. watch the movie. I don't know, is it on YouTube? Yeah. Okay, you can see it on YouTube, you can see it on Netflix, you can go watch them for free. The second part of the movie is about his attempts to form partnerships with pharmaceutical companies and his patent portfolio, just bragging and bragging. Now, no documentary would spend like an hour bragging about somebody's patents. Mm-hmm. No, no, we know who that was, who wrote that stuff in. Yeah. All right. Well, the purpose of the patents is, of course, to monopolize his great therapy, of course, and to cash in as much as possible, but... There's another use for them, and if you watch the movie, you'll soon realize there's another use for them. If, you, if you're watching for it, you'll see it. The other big use for his patents is to prevent research, to prevent peer review, to make sure that his, well, medicine, if you can call it that, is never held up to scrutiny. He even uses his patents against the government to prevent the government from doing studies. I can't believe that he'd actually put that in his own documentary. I think he'd, I would think that he'd be ashamed, like... That he's stopping the NIH from doing yeah. research, you, the would, National Institutes of Health. <laughs> yeah, it's like, would you want them to verify you for free using yeah. tax dollars? Exactly. If he's so confident that this mm-hmm. therapy works, yeah. then wouldn't he it, want it to be everywhere? He can get think, his Nobel Prize. Think about the, the credibility that would give him. Uh-huh. But, of course, the government doesn't test good therapies. When was the last time you heard of a study on colloidal silver? Uh-huh. Or anything else that we have that works in alternative medicine? When was the last time there was an actual federal study on the Budwig protocol? 
which, which by the way, actually does cure cancer in most cases. Mm-hmm. Okay, it does. It's been backed up. The information is there. And, of course, our government won't touch it. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to touch it. But Brzezinski, the, the downtrodden, they're wanting to study it, and he won't let them. Well, here's the thing. On the one hand, he's like, this is all natural. It's safe. It's effective. You know, it's from urine, so it's, it exists in the natural world. Well, it's not natural anymore. <laughs> it's not any natural anymore. In fact, Brzezinski has his own pharmaceutical factory, his own chemical plant to make this stuff. The reason, here we go again, the reason he's creating it synthetically now, that there's nothing natural about it anymore, is because if it's a natural substance... He can't patent it. He can't patent it. So mm-hmm. then again, somebody else can use it and work with it and study it and do what they want. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it has to be unnatural. It has to be made completely in a lab. But yet he's still producing this and saying it's all natural. Under the strain logic that uh, the chemists have somehow synthesized something which they believe is the equivalent to these magical protein compounds. Yes. There's nothing natural about it anymore. No, there's not. You know, there's one thing to have your own pharmacy, but to have your own pharmaceutical laboratory to make your own drugs from scratch, that's really taking it a step further. How many doctors can get away with that? Yeah. I mean, seriously, how many doctors can make their own pharma labs and produce drugs and do governmentally approved studies who are you know, being persecuted? Well, how many doctors can afford it, Thomas? There's a past president of the AMA who once said, any doctor who makes more than 100000 a year, he's not a doctor. He's a businessman. Mm-hmm. That's very accurate. Yeah. If you're making $100,000 a year, you're no doctor. He actually said you're a quack. You yeah. are a quack if you're making more than 100000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I think the rule still applies even today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, this same report, it was the Office of Technology Assessment, that I was talking about earlier, also described how Bozinski claims complete remission from cases when there was no tumor or evidence of cancer when he started the treatment. Okay, so he had success in patients who didn't have cancer. Yeah, they'd already been treated by mainstream methods. The cancer was completely undetectable, and mm-hmm. they used Bozinski's, I guess, to try and prevent it from happening in the future. That's preventative medicine, Sarah, when you drink urine after your cancer treatments. And he adds this number to his cure rate. That's how he bloats the number up. And this is the bloated number. The bloated number that he brags about all through his movie... Like his PhD, you mean? ...is a 25% success rate. Okay, let's let's spin that around. That's a 75% failure rate. That's three out of every four people die. It's not just that the cancer came back. That's the cancer came back and the patient died. 75%. You know, you don't get that with regular oncologists, do you? Numbers like that. I mean, seriously. When he puts his medicine (laughs) side by side with the radiation, the chemo, throughout his movie. What he's comparing is in the case of brain tumors. Well, by the time you get a brain tumor, you've got some serious problems, and you can't stand up to the sort of poison that is chemotherapy and that is radiation. Not for long at all. You're just... You're going to die. It's like, you know, you've you've got the brain cancer, you're going to die, and then they're going to microwave your brain to try to improve it. You're really in a bad position. Exactly. Uh So no treatment at all is far, far better Mm-hmm. than radiation, the chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So, Brzezinski is, well, less harmful than chemo. That's saying something, isn't it? Exactly. You can't be more, more harmful than chemo. So It's like you've got brain cancer, and they give you the drugs that just speed it up. That's what he's got? He's less harmful than chemo? 
let me just go off on a tangent and, and sort of put yeah. this into perspective for cool. people. Okay. Alternative methodologies, if they're valid, are more effective, much more effective. They work. We listed them in the cancer report, the top tier, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are 10 times more frauds, maybe 20 times more frauds. That doesn't take away from the fact that some of these solutions do work. The top ones do work to varying degrees. And we tell people that, and we don't get much reaction. People react with, hmm, interesting, and we know what they're thinking is, hmm, I wonder if that's true or not. Maybe I should look that up someday. Maybe I should try to figure that out. That could be true. Hmm, interesting. That's the reaction we get. We get the nod. Yeah. Now, when we stop and we say, more incredible than that is people who do nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. No eating change, no lifestyle change, no drugs, no radiation, nothing at all. Just lead their lives, ignore the cancer, ignore pretend the tumors. Pretend like it, doesn't, it isn't there. Pretend like it's not there. Still do better than orthodox medicine. They still do better than orthodox medicine. And the funny thing is, is Brzezinski's numbers don't do that well. Mm-hmm. His patients come out worse than patients who get nothing. Mm-hmm. You see, it's like an inverse relationship. The more Brzezinski, the sicker they get over time. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them. Yeah. Well, even the American Cancer Society admits that up to 30% of cancers are going away on their own. Mm-hmm. But he gets 25. Exactly. Isn't that interesting? He yes. gets 25%. The establishment itself admits it gets 30 with nothing. Yes. Well, that's just the numbers. They don't lie. Brzezinski does, but the numbers <laughs> don't. Yeah. Now, in the alternative movement, there are a lot of groups, and I think rightly so, that chastise their mainstream medical establishment for denying people care who would otherwise, well, they believe, die without it, mm-hmm. or for demanding massive amounts of money for Yeah, you better this, come up with the cash. This treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, what I find, honestly, I, I can't think of any other word, but hypocritical of the alternative community that has embraced Brzezinski is that he's charging, in many cases, $200,000 or more for treatment, and he has turned lots of people away. In well, fact, there is news story after news story of those people who are trying to raise money to go to the Brzezinski Clinic, and they can't raise it. They just can't make enough money, and so these children die. Waiting for his... Medicine. Yes. Okay. Well, that certainly is some expensive urine, Sarah. I'm going to read you a quick quote from one of the people online who did go to the Bazinski Clinic and get treatment. After we got home and started figuring up all the medications they'd put him on and how much it would cost us to keep him on them, we nearly choked on our tongues when it added up to almost $30,000 per month. After we decided there was no possible way we could afford to do this, we called the clinic to see how we might start weaning him off the medicine prescribed by the Brzezinski Clinic. We were not transferred to a nurse or a doctor, but to the insurance coordinator. We never received any information from them with instructions on how to come off the meds. We ended up calling our local pharmacist and got him to help us out. We were never told that two of the medications were conventional chemo medications. We discovered from our local pharmacy that one medication the Brzezinski Clinic had charged us over $2,300 for, we could have purchased from the pharmacy for around 170 Okay, that's another facet that people may not be aware of. The important thing here to see is that 
alternative Brzezinski who's so persecuted, you know, for trying to fix the system with his new medicine is actually practicing so-called conventional medicine, chemotherapy and radiation. He seemed to leave that part out of his, inf- I mean, documentary. Yeah, yeah, that was neglected. Yeah, it seems to be neglected pretty much everywhere you look, doesn't it? That I had to pretty much, I had to dig through his site, but yet, and then right underneath his logo at the top of his site, it says, first do no harm. How can you say first do no harm, and yet practice chemo and radiation, the two most harmful treatments that exist today? Yeah, which most oncologists themselves wouldn't take. That They've been questioned, and... They, they wouldn't surveys, take the same treatments themselves. Yeah, these surveys say these doctors would not take these same treatments themselves. It's kind of like when at the hospitals where they mandated... <laughs> let me start over. It's sort of like at these hospitals where they mandated vaccinations, and then all, like, all the doctors threatened to quit. Yeah, because they they won't take the vaccinations. They won't take the vaccinations themselves. Because they have safety and efficacy concerns, Uh Thomas. Kind of like the oncologists with their chemotherapy. Yeah, and radiation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brzezinski certainly practices chemo and radiation, and he uses those to try to stack the deck. Yeah. Well, I know that Brzezinski loves testimonials, so I'm just going to give you another one. Do, do, Do give us some testimonials, Sarah. Here's another quote. Upon further research, I noticed that they've been doing the anti-neoplaston trials for years now, and nobody can really confirm or deny that it's working. The cost of treatment is insane. They ask for $500 to look at your records, $1,000 for the consultation, then a deposit of $10,000 for treatment, and $5,000 to $10,000 for medicine deposits, as well as a monthly fee of a few thousand. You know who he's modeled this after? Scientology. It's like when you become a new member, when you're, you're pulled into the fold, mm-hmm. the first thing they do is give you a questionnaire like of your financial state. Well, actually, I don't know if they do that in Scientology, but Brzezinski does that. He questions them and finds out what kind of networks they're involved in. Do they know any famous people? Uh, do they have a rich relative? Or are they rich themselves? And what's really rich about the whole thing is that your treatment plan is based upon that. Yes. How much money you might be able to pull in. It's like your local drug dealer. Yeah, there's... Of course, your local drug dealer doesn't have his own pharmacy. <laughs> you know, his own lab manufacturing. His own gigantic lab, which apparently he's able to maintain, despite the fact that the government is trying to persecute him. Yeah, they're all over him, but yeah. They're just yeah. all over him. Yeah. There was one case, I know, that was published by the UK newspaper. It was called The Guardian. And they published a... Sad story. It was a four-year-old with a brain tumor who needed to receive this innovative treatment mm-hmm. that would cost two hundred thousand pounds, which comes out to between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars. Bef- that is some expensive urine, Sarah. They uh, raised over a hundred thousand pounds, but mm-hmm. Billy, the four-year-old, passed away before the treatment began. He was wanting four hundred grand. Uh, yeah. Or oh, two hundred thousand pounds. This family had connections. They had they knew this big comedian over in the UK, and they had connections with the press. So they had ways of generating funds, and yeah, so, so so their treatment didn't cost. You know, how old was this boy again? This was a four-year-old. A four-year-old with a brain tumor. Yeah, yes. they weren't willing to help him until he raised four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. The New York Times reported that this guy's gross income from nineteen eighty-eight. You mean Doctor Brzezinski? Yes, sorry. Right. From 1988 to 94 was 40 million, and they reported that he takes home a million dollars every year. Okay, that's 40 million. Yes. I would be willing to sell my urine for much cheaper than that. 
Sarah. That's very generous of you, Thomas. Yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, you guys out there, a mere $10,000, I will send you a jar of urine. Yes. Okay? I don't care what you do with it. I say that because there's so many people buying into Brzezinski. There may be a few of you out there listening. We've got to try, Sarah. I mean, seriously, we need the funds too, right? But we don't make $40 million a year. Oh, my gosh, no. I could, I could really use $40 million. If any you donors out there are listening, yeah. Anyway, um, right. we could go on and on with these other testimonials, the ones of people who, who are trying to raise funds, and then you look them up and they either die, well, they usually mm-hmm. die just before tr- treatment. They don't they haven't raised the money in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put everything else on hold. They put their lives on hold. They put all their hopes on hold well, on the Brzezinski w- Clinic. What's sad, Sarah, is that they go to the regular establishment in the overwhelming majority of the cases first, 99% of the time. And they're told that your child is going to die. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing anybody can do. Your child is going to die. Parents go through the death cycle that people go through. The first stage, I think, is like anger, mm-hmm. followed by denial, and then bargaining. You know, these are like, more or less, I may have it a little confused, but there's like, no. Yeah, this is the pattern that people follow. Once the person reaches the bargaining stage, that's where the con man can move in. He's got them. He can hook them. Not in denial sometimes, yes. Or in the denial phase. Even in the angry phase, because going to Brzezinski could feel like an act of rebellion, because after all, he's he's this alternative guy they're trying to shut down. Yeah, he I persecuted mean, everyone. He's yeah. so persecuted, yeah, at 40 million, and nobody's touching him. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you see Brzezinski on CNN, it's, it's got a powerful pull. You're like, maybe he could be our savior. And for us, of course, it's sadder on a deeper level because we know there are therapies out there that would actually work, that might help, that might slow the progression, that might give a better quality of life, might even cure it. Definitely give them a better quality of life. We know it would be better. We don't know how much better. It's because every case is different, you know, and so forth. But, but instead, he's there like a charlatan, ready to put his hooks in people. And I so wish we could get the message out better. It's mm-hmm. one reason why we need you people. We've put it all together for you. It's there, and you can get it for free. We put together the documentary, and it's not an infomercial for us. It's an actual, real documentary in, in presentation format mm-hmm. okay, called The Cancer Report. If you haven't seen it, see it. Share it with all your friends. You can buy the official DVD from us, or you can make your own. Or we can send you one after you've bought just one and make as many copies as you want. You can download it from the Internet. You can send people links to YouTube. There's so many channels and outlets here. We've Mm -hmm. tried to make it as available as possible without overextending ourselves, essentially. Yeah, it's also available in German, both narrated and in text. Yeah, there's a German version, too, if you have any German friends. It's there. It's there. Most of the research you need is there, and you can follow up on it. Yes. You can verify it. If you're treating your cancer with this information, using it, we don't make anything. We make nothing. There's, there's no financial thing about it. No, this is stuff that you just go buy from health food stores. We don't get a thing yeah, from it. It's cheap. We don't sell it. That's, that's the thing. Real medicine is cheap. I mean, we've kind of gone through all the different aspects of Brzezinski's therapy, but I want to kind of sum them up over the next, well, I guess, minute or so and put sure. them together because individually you may think, you know, this guy's a little questionable. 
But when a you put bit. them together, it's, it's without a doubt. That he is a con man. Yes. First of all, his credentials are a charade. He has no PhD. He says he does, and he knows that he doesn't. He puts it differently on his grants Federal and grants, stuff. Yes. yes. His so-called treatment, antineoplastins, is an extract of urine. He says that it doesn't cause any side effects, but it's been proven to kill people through its side effects, both in these white blood cell counts that we talked about and the excessive salt. Not to mention that his success rate is generally less than people who aren't treated at all. Exactly. His success rate that we know of is very low, but because of protecting his patents, he uh, doesn't let anybody else, including the government, the National Institutes of Health, do any research. Mm-hmm and tries yeah. to prohibit them from manufacturing their own. He wants them to acquire it from his own pharmaceutical yeah. the lab. The information he releases is the little bit from his website and, of course, through his infomercial that everybody's bought into. Yes. And his, his paid appearances on various news networks. Uh-huh. He re- yeah, he releases his scientific information, not to the scientific community, to the health community, to anyone who to anyone. knows anything. I'd love instead, to look at his numbers. Yeah, but instead to reporters. Mm-hmm. And he charges in excess of $200,000 a year for this treatment, which is actually, and for the chemo drugs, he actually charges more than the establishment, if you can even believe well, that. Well, it's not 200000 for everyone. It depends on your income, Sarah. Don't forget that. Exactly, yes. Including denying treatment to people who, well, assuming that it could save mm-hmm. to, to them too. Yeah, because it's so expensive to produce urine. Together, I think it makes... Yeah. Uh, well, he bragged about in his movie that his end game is to form a partnership with a pharmaceutical company to actually be merged into Big Pharma. Yes. That if he can patent it, control it, and get them interested enough, but one company after another, after realizing that he's selling urine, has dumped him. Yeah. They, they tried they, to partner with them as this way to legitimize his drug and get more funding at the same time, like he needs more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know. Where, do, where else do we go with this, Sarah? I'm going to spell it out in case you haven't seen it through my sugar coating yet, I consider the man a monster, an absolute monster, a scum, a shaman. Not, not, not a sh- well, he is a shaman, isn't he? And a, yeah, I guess uh, with the pig. What is, what is the other word? A, a charlatan. A charlatan, that's right. That's right, a charlatan. And I think the evidence backs me up on that. He indeed is not being persecuted. The fact that he's making $40 million a year, has his own pharmaceutical complex, and is walking freely... What the FDA is doing with him is like the strawman argument. And for those of you who don't know what a strawman argument is, that's when you can't really win a fight with someone. So what you do is you create another fight that you can win, that you put words in that other person's mouth to to misrepresent what they believe, what they're standing up for, using a weak argument that you can easily win and then claim victory for beating that person in the debate or argument and so forth. Well, that's kind of like what the FDA is doing with Dr. Brzezinski. Um, PhD, of course, right? Mm-hmm. They're pretending to fight him to give him legitimacy among us, our community, so that it can sit back, point, and laugh. And Sarah, if you haven't noticed, guess who's bought into all of this? Just, just take a guess. Who bought into all of this? Mike Adams. Oh my gosh, he did. He's got like three articles promoting Brzezinski. Mike Adams, who does, like, absolutely no research on any freaking thing. What would you bet that Brzezinski paid for some of those natural news articles? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, would, I would so love to be able to find that out for myself. You know we did. I know. You know we did. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting on a rant again. It just makes me so angry. And people look up to Mike too. Simply put, he is a whore. You would Real think he'd at least medicine. do his re- his own research on stuff like this before b- before his, he allows his advertisers or Bozinski, which may be one and the same, to put stuff on his site. It's despicable. It's, dis- it's disgusting. But um. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's one- I- Go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. A lot of people may think that, you know, this guy has his own clinic and he has his own pharmaceutical factory. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can he really be, you know... Alternative? No, can he really be fraudulent? Because, you know, with this big setup that he's got, it looks professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think of the, the quack, and if you close your eyes and think of the quack, quack you kind of have this one guy who's standing around on the street in kind of an old times and he's just got a bottle in his hand. He's not this guy that has this big clinic. Back in the 1930s, there was a guy, his last name was Brinkley, and that's what he went by. And he had four separate hospitals, and he had his own little medical school that he set up. And it was all surrounding a type of therapy that he promoted, in which he took goat glands, actually goat... Testicles. Yes. You can say it, Sarah, testicles. He, He took goat testicles, and he implanted them into men, and he took goat ovaries, and he implanted them into women to bring back their sterility in their life and make them happy. Sexual stamina? Yes, that's what all this was about. Okay, so he was the Viagra guy of his day. And he was huge. In fact, he was the only nationwide uh, radio station that ex- that existed. He, he was, was all over the press, wasn't he, too? He was like everywhere. Brzezinski. All the press loved him. Mm-hmm. But he did exactly the same thing. And I mean that both in terms of money, he charged more than any other doctor ever did at the time, back in the 1930s. He, too, was earning like a million dollars a year, but that was in the 1930s. It, 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 by 1930s standards, a million dollars? Yeah. You buy like a country. Exactly. Uh-huh. He had all these different hospitals that he moved around on. He had his own huge radio station. He had massive support, and testimonials were everywhere. Mm-hmm. He announced his stuff, his scientific research, of course, to the press, not to any scientific group, not for review by anybody else. And when it finally came down to a trial in a civil court, it was proven that the whole thing was a complete sham and that he was giving people bottles of colored water, literally. He actually took dye, put it in the water, and sold that as medicine at some point, didn't he? Yes, for several hundred dollars by 1930 standards. essentially. Yes. This can be done. It has been done before. Quite frankly, it looks like Bozinski used this guy as like a playbook of, as, of how to... As if he'd modeled himself after this charlatan from the 1930s. Exactly. What was that guy's name again? It's Brinkley. You can look up. It's J.R. Brinkley. J.R. Brinkley. Yeah, some people may actually want to get the book and look it up. Yeah, there's a book called Charlatan about it. It's a great book that really gives you a great historical account. And you can really compare it to this guy. And I'm sure there will be other people just like him in the future. It's called Charlatan, right? Yes. Uh, J.R. Brinkley. I looked through it my, about J.R. Brinkley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I looked through it myself, Sarah, and it, it's really good reading. Yeah. It is. Got so bad at one point that they were trying to shut him down. He had to move to Mexico and set up a million-watt station. That's right, yes. Like everything around the station glowed with so much power, you could hear it anywhere. Yes. And, again, that's proof that just because the establishment is after you doesn't necessarily make you right. Yeah. You can be evil. It's possible. Yeah. But it was only after the civil suit, you know, where he was proven, it was actually a libel suit, where he was proven to be, you yeah. know, lying, well, that people came forward and essentially said, well, you, you messed me up, you know, I can't move anymore, I'm disabled. Well, it's like the, this thing of the emperor has no clothes. 
if they think everybody's getting well and better and think that it's just them who's messed up, then people start wondering, you know, questioning their own sanity in the matter. Like, am I just imagining these symptoms? Everybody yeah. else is doing fine. If I come out, people are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm the liar. You know, mm-hmm. So I can't say anything. People are like that. They're still like that. Yeah. He also reminds me of Jim Humble a little bit, too. Doesn't he remind you of Jim Humble? Yes, he does. Okay, the same type of charlatan. Mm-hmm. And, again, Humble is doing the same thing, Jim Humble, with his MMS. He's saying, well, the FDA's after me. But th- there's your proof. I'm scientifically valid. Yeah. I'm, this is a real cure. Why else would they be after me? Well, it could be due to the fact that you're feeding people bleach. And bleach is poisonous. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that could be part of it, too, right? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, where do we go from here, Sarah? Um, I don't know, actually. If you're keen in the alternative health movement, you study, pay attention, whatever you need to do to keep yourself and your family healthy, then you probably also know other people who are like you. And if they're behind Brzezinski, you need to send them here. Let them hear this show. We look this stuff up. We've got the story. Nobody else is, is reporting this. Mm-hmm. You've got your regular media, who we know are prostitutes. We've got Mike Adams. And then we've got the other you know, alternative sites out there who may not necessarily be prostitutes, but are too scared to come out and be politically incorrect. The whole Empress New Clothes. I'm not going to be the first person to say it. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody has to say it. And if we don't why, say it, then how are we any better than the, the mainstream? Exactly. We are no better. We make a point at health was that we we try to scream the loudest and say it, mm-hmm. and we don't care how dumb it makes us look, who laughs at us, whatever. If it's the truth, we're, we're running. Say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to run with it. All right. Well, this is Sarah signing off, and this is Thomas. I guess this is Toodaloo. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>